Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. In addition to the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, Republicans in Congress are also turning their attention to energy infrastructure. To discuss the latest moves, we spoke with Senator Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma earlier today. The senator just introduced his first bill, and it's about cross-border energy infrastructure. The bill aims to reduce federal regulation and empower states to have more authority over their energy production. Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, thank you so much, and congratulations on your Senate bid. Thank you. It's, uh, we're pretty excited to be here. I would like to ask you about your first order of business as a senator uh, when it comes to domestic uh, energy security. Uh, you're introducing legislation. If you could tell us about what you uh, plan to do. Well, I, I, we've talked multiple times, and I've always said that the backbone of our economy is energy. You can't make a product or deliver a product without energy. Energy is the first thing it takes to make a product, and it's what it takes to deliver that product. So you can't have reliable and affordable product if you don't have reliable and affordable energy. And what's un unfortunate is that we have seen Washington, D.C., uh, especially this administration, play games with our energy. And, and if they're going to play games with it, then we need to take it out of their hands. And when you start talking about some of the legislation, our first act is to get the economy back on track. And, and regulation has always been a huge issue to me. You know, I, I've told people multiple times that it's, it, it, is, it is not Washington, D.C. that creates jobs. Washington, D.C. is to create an environment for entrepreneurs and job creators to create jobs. It's also not Washington DC's position, and it shouldn't be their position, to choose the products, choose the industry. That is a consumer that makes those decisions. But right now, you're having DC elites, bureaucrats, making those decisions for us. So if they're gonna play this game, and it looks like they're going to, then we need to take it out of their hands. We need to remove it from that temptation to play political games and have somebody from California making decisions for Oklahoma. I wanna ask you about the strategic uh, petroleum reserves. Um, yesterday, uh, Secretary, Energy Secretary uh, Granholm was at the White House uh, press briefing uh, podium where she said that uh, the Biden administration would essentially um, not support restricting the release of these reserves. Um, how do you react to that? Well, they're playing political games with it. See, they use they used the Strategic Petroleum Reserves, SPR, which is supposed to be for national security emergency purposes for political ploy. They, they released a, a tremendous amount of it right before the midterm elections because they wanted to bring down, bring down gas prices. We're at the lowest level we've been since 1984, yet we're at a very volatile time around the world. We see the aggressiveness of Putin and we see the aggressiveness of China, and we're at the lowest level we've been. And, and, and there, what we're saying is, is listen, you're playing games with using the SBR for something that wasn't supposed to be used for. You're, you're using it to bring down gas prices. She even said it as much, and even, even uh, Biden said it himself. So if we're going to do that, Kathy McMorris Rogers has introduced a bill that would take it out of their hands and say, you can't use it except for these specific purposes. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with outlining exactly what the SPR is designed for? Um, and we support that wholeheartedly. Of course they're going to push back on it though because to them they're attacking the oil and gas industry but yet they know it's the driver of our economy. So they're, they're, they're robbing the piggy bank today but who's going to refill it later? All the taxpayers. 
I mean, you, you touched upon it. A lot of these reserves were actually being sold to our adversaries, Absolutely. China uh, specifically. But is there a way to actually sell oil to other countries, domestic production, without tapping into our strategic reserves? Well, absolutely. We, underneath uh, the Trump administration, we became a net exporter. We were, we were exporting nearly a million barrels per day underneath Trump. Today, we're importing that same amount. So we don't have to tap our, our strategic oil, our, our strategic petroleum reserves, SPR. We don't have to attack that. All we have to do is let the industry go. If, if other countries want to do business with us, great. Let's do business with them. Why should we send them to OPEC? And why should we be going to OPEC and be going to Venezuela and still buying products from Russia, which we still are because we haven't eliminated that? Why are we doing that when just two years ago, a very short two years ago, we were, we were a net exporter? It's because of this administration's horrible policies and attack on energy at the same time they know that the use and consumption of petroleum products, be it from fuel or products that it's made with, have actually increased underneath their administration. Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Right now in the United States, job openings remain high despite rising inflation and talks of a recession. What's behind the current worker shortage? Joining us next to discuss the labor market, we have Thomas Savage, Research Director at Center for State Fiscal Reform. Thomas Savage, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Tom, uh, there's talk of a, a worker shortage, and, and this has been going on for, for years now. What do you think is the actual driving force behind this trend? So that's a great question. Um, you know, there's a, there's a great new report out from our friends at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, uh, Drs. Casey Mulligan and Dr. E.J. Antoni, um, released a new report on labor shortages and um, and unemployment payments. Uh, it's actually a follow-up to two studies, one in 2020 and one in 2021, um, that examined the that examined labor force participation along with uh, unemployment payments. And they um, those economists found that. Uh, you could you could end up getting paid you know almost six figures in some states um, for not working and you know that of course creates a dangerous incentive when you know you can make more money not working than going back to than actually going back to work and in many cases in the, in many states um, you know you could actually if you do choose opt to go back to work you end up taking a pay cut. Now we we hear from both sides, uh, less Republicans, but some, quite a few, mostly Democrats, um, that this is why illegal immigration is justified. Is illegal immigration the best way to resolve the worker shortage? Uh, no. No, uh, it, I wouldn't say illegal immigration is, the, is not the way to fix this. The best way you can do this is, you know, by making the necessary reforms that encourage Americans to get back to work, and at Alec, we offer a number of uh, a number of educational tools showing what that looks like. Um, in addition to you know sort of reforms that need to happen at the federal level with um, unemployment insurance reform and Medicare and Medicaid reform, there's a lot that actually uh, state leaders can work on this as well. 
Um, one such as uh, occupational licensing reform um, and regulatory reforms that help Americans get back to work. And then, of course, you also, uh, many states have joined what we call the flat tax revolution, where they've transitioned from a progressive income tax to a flat income tax. And that is going to be huge for working Americans because it allows them to keep more of what they earn. And so what state leaders can do is um, they can make those reforms to help get Americans back to work and also, you know, engage in that tax reform to help them keep more of what they earn. Now, the state of Maryland uh, has legislation that could likely uh, uh, pass, which encourages a four-day work week uh, for both state and private workers. Is this a good idea? Do you think that doing things like this will help get people back into the workforce? Uh, no, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, when you have the government trying to mandate how many days a week people are working or how often they can work, they're not taking into account the, you know, the needs of small business owners of different jobs because, you know, different jobs require, you know, require different hours. My question, I'm not too familiar with that law, and my question is how are hospitals going to deal with that? It's not like people are, you know, people are going to stop being sick one day out of the week, you know. Are you know first respond and or in addition to that first responders, just because you're only working four days a week doesn't mean there aren't any sort of emergency calls or fires happening on the day that you're off. Um, you know, trying to make that blanket one size fits all policy is just going to end up hurting both public and private sector workers, and um, you know who knows how that is going to impede and. If that, if you add constraints, what we've seen at Alec really is the more constraints you add on people looking to work, the more it's going to drive people out of the states, and the more restrictions there are. And we've seen this clearly over the past couple of years, where onerous regulatory states like California, like Illinois, like New York, um, where there are tons of restrictions and reg and regulations, people are moving from those states to states like Florida, like Tennessee and Texas where it's relatively easy to get back to work to start a business compared to you know the taxes and regulations in those other states. Thomas Savage, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.